Can we pause for one second? Is it a bear? Do you have bear bells? No, I can. <laughs> I I can't tell if it's music or if it's your fan, but I can hear something in the background of someone's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, we're talking about hocus pocus. We gotta have good audio. And that's our intro. <laughs> Damn it, Robbie, you're a fucking machine. <laughs> This is the theme song at the start of the show Stop wasting time on the theme song Gonna watch a movie, got a thousand more to go Stop wasting time on the theme song Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore And since I started singing, they already added more So stop wasting time on the theme song Just tell us the name of the show it's called the podcast for tennis shoes. What a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello, and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,764 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean. I am here with my co-hosts, Bob and Rob. Bob, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. How are you, Sean? Well, you know, last episode we recorded last week, we recorded on Thursday, and I was sick as a dog, or as Ralph would say, I was sick as a dog. Th- th- didn't you say that joke last time? <laughs> hey, listen, it's a callback, all right? Okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I only have one joke. <laughs> Some people only listen to certain episodes. Those people will think it was an original joke, Bobby. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> Friday, still sick as a dog. Saturday, Sunday, sick as a dog. Even sicker. So I go to the doctor today. Oh. And I say, doctor, I'm sick. Sick as a dog. What do you recommend? <laughs> and doctor says, well, treatment is simple. Laughter is the best medicine. I recommend you check out the podcast War Tennis Shoes. And then I burst into tears and I say, <laughs> but doctor, I am the podcast War Tennis Shoes. Boo. <laughs> okay, no, more seriously, the treatment is I need some good reviews. I need everyone listening to this to give us a good review on their podcast mm. platform of choice to subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. I am like Tinkerbell. I survive based on good vibes. All right. But instead of clapping, I need people to subscribe <laughs> and review. Okay. So just, just to point out, that is not a Disney reference. That is a Steven Spielberg reference to the non-Disney Peter Pan. Oh, well then... We're not allowed to make that reference. Take it out. Cut that. <laughs> Rob, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. I spent, uh, as we recorded last week, uh, uh, spent a week in the woods, and I'm back in my own uh, my own house now. Uh, I get to sleep in my own bed. Um, but I actually watched this movie. Um, we have a projector screen. Uh, and so I watched this movie while we're out, canting, uh, out camping uh, by the fire. Uh, we got to watch this movie for the 20th or 30th time. I don't know how many times I've seen this film. My wife was watching it with me and she's seen it so many times that she actually fell asleep while watching it. Um, Sean, this is your first time seeing this movie? This is my first time seeing the movie perfectly suited to Robbie's venture out into the middle of the woods because it is spooky season and we are watching Hocus Pocus 1. In honor of the upcoming release of Hocus Pocus 2, we are going back, back, to the beginning, Hocus Pocus One. Is there a, a subtitle? Is there a colon? Uh, the 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 book of the souls, or what is it? The book of the <laughs> book of secrets. Book of secrets. Yeah. Book of shadows. Hocus Pocus Two. Book of shadows. 
Hocus Pocus 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. That that subtitle works with any movie that you put it with. Godfather Part 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. That island? Sicily. <laughs> James Bond, The Island of Lost Dreams. That island? The Volcano Lair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even a Muppet movie. The Muppet and the Island of Lost Dreams? That's, like, poetic. That island? Great Britain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> What were we talking about? <laughs> I had seen this movie before. We brought it up last week, but it was fun kind of watching it under a more critical eye this week. Um, as I think I kind of said, I stayed up late to watch this on cable at my dad's house under the impression that this was a real horror movie. And as a child, it did kind of scare me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any, I don't know if Rob, if you can attest to that. Yeah, man. You, you thought this was a horror movie? <laughs> you should have stayed up and watched uh, Return to Oz. <laughs> that would have been the one that actually scared you, Bobby. <laughs> It's 93. I would have been seven. So, yeah. But I remember thinking that, like, Bette Midler's character specifically and the, like, soul-sucking. Like, that that could have happened to me as a seven-year-old child. So, yeah. At, at the time, I remember it being, her being kind of scary. Now I watch the movie and she's just, like, a delight every moment she's on the screen. <laughs> a delight. <laughs> no, she is. Yeah, she's, she's having it up something fierce, but, like, in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. And it, she's loving every moment of being there. Yeah. Actually, I think all three of the Sanderson sisters are just having a blast. That's kind of what makes the movie, is the fact that they are just having such a good time tormenting these children. But not actually tormenting these children, but kind of, like, it's, um... Well, they do, oh, who they was it? do repeatedly threaten to eat them on many different occasions yeah. to different children. But it's like the same as Miguel Ferrer for Blake Check. Like, he's just evil enough, but, like, innocent enough. You know what I mean? Like, he they, they tow a fine line. Robbie, they legitimately eat some children in this movie. Their goal is to eat every child. This is not like a balancing against good and evil. This is let us eat every child in Salem. Why are you saying that this is like... The way they play it off, it's not they're so menacing, right? They play a balance with the characters that they... Sure, they're evil, what they say is evil, but they're still kind of fun to watch. Like, if they were pure evil... Wow. Every kid who watched it would not... Like, they would not watch this film, Right. There has All to right. be some sort of levity to them, which they do very, very well. Right. So if they were going to boil you alive, <laughs> but were doing it in a goofy <laughs> manner, would you be like, yeah, worth it? Which one am I, Ice or uh, James Franco? <laughs> based on your, <laughs> I actually wrote that down. I wrote James Franco. <laughs> I know. But based on the chin, you're Ice. All right, we have skipped way ahead. <laughs> I'm Bobby, sorry. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, just to be clear. Miguel Ferrer just wants money and, like, kind of goes on a delightful, like, a stupid romp of, like, driving his car and, like, almost murdering children, whereas Bette Midler has literally been to hell and back. They announce themselves as servants of Satan. When she is told to go to hell, she says, I have been there, found it quite lovely, thank you. As Sean says, their goal is literally to eat every yeah. child in town because they have one night to return from hell to do so. Rob says they are less evil than Miguel Ferrer. Okay, look, when Satan is Gary Marshall... I mean, come on. But he's not really Satan, but we will get to that because that is one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> All right. So Robbie's best friends are the Sanderson sisters, and they are played by Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy. They are in a movie that was written by two gentlemen named Mick Garris and Neil Cuthbert. Directed by Kenny Ortega, who did a lot of choreography work in the 80s. He choreographed a lot of Michael Jackson concerts and music videos. He then directed the Disney musical film Newsies, mm -hmm. which I guess 
played into his choreography background, and then he parlayed that into directing this movie and then a bunch of Disney Channel movies, most of their musicals actually. High School Musical, directed by this guy. Really? Descendants 1, 2, and 3, directed by this guy. Now, it also stars Omri Katz as Max Dennison, the male lead, Thora Birch as Danny Dennison, American Beauty, um... Ghost World. Ghost World's Thora Birch. With Black Widow, right? Yeah, ScarJo. Yeah, ScarJo. And uh, Steve Buscemi? Vanessa Shaw plays Allison Watts. And then both Sean Murray and Jason Marsden play Thackeray Binks. And to the best of my knowledge, Sean <laughs> Murray is being Aunt Baroud in this movie, yep. so we'll get to that. Uh, also, is it the not James Marsden? Marsden is also the voice of Max Goof. From a goofy movie. Did I say James Marsden? Because I meant Jason yeah, Marsden. Yeah, I, I, I said not James Marsden. You didn't mean Jimmy? Yeah. Jimmy Marsden? Not Jimmy Marsden. <laughs> Although I did read that despite them not being related, apparently they've been childhood best friends anyway. Really? Also, one other name I'll point out now, Doug Jones is in this yeah, movie. Yeah, man. It's Billy Butcherson. He's not like, I mean, he's caked in makeup, but he still kind of looks like Doug Jones. It's pretty sweet. That's because Doug Jones is the only person in the world who looks like Doug yeah. Jones. That's fair. Yeah. He has half the width of the next closest person. <laughs> <laughs> but his face, like his face still looks like Doug Jones, even with all of those prosthetics on it. You know, it's funny. I, I noticed the same thing. I was like, oh, like she, he, yeah, you tell. It's just makeup on him this time. It's not just like a bunch of prosthetics. So you can't tell who he is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys read the same thing I did. Apparently, instead of Omri Katz, we were almost treated to a Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead role in this movie. Yeah. But he turned it down to do What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Um, which was the right choice for Leonardo DiCaprio at the time. I think it'd be the right choice for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it, but I hate this character. But anyway, um, uh, you ate Max in his '90s hair. Oh my god, he's kind of the worst. He's it's it's just the worst '90s Disney bullshit. Yeah, Rob, how does this movie start? This movie starts in a flashback. Paint the picture, Robbie. What year are we in? Ooh, uh, what is it? Is it 1693? You got it. 300 years. Yes. Yeah, 1693. 1693. Uh, 300 years ago, and uh, our lead. What's the town? Salem. Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. The, the Spanish Inquisition, but in Salem. Um, the Witch Inquisition. I don't know what it was called. Uh, the Witch Hunt. Um, Salem Witch Trials. Oh, Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, uh, Crucible. Our, our lead character, who, uh, as you said, is voiced by a different actor. Not a lead character, but the flashback. <laughs> uh, uh, Thackeray Banks is looking for a sister who has been abducted by the Salem sisters. And I'm going to take a pause here and say they're my best friends. You said that in the opening. They did actually give me nightmares as a child. I, I was kind of scared of them. Kind of like Bobby. But I was kind of a scaredy cat when it came out. I don't know. I was I was young, and I remember being a little afraid of this film. But in hindsight, what I was saying is they are, as Bobby said, a delight to watch. See, the thing that jumped out to me is that the guy's name is Thackeray. I, not Zachary. It seems I like... know. <laughs> It's it's I, I like the the technique of t making an old timey name by taking a current name and just changing one of the consonant <laughs> sounds. <laughs> He's looking for a sister who's been abducted by the Sanderson sisters who want her the the little child. They want to I guess suck her soul out of her body and steal her life force so they can be young and beautiful forever. Thackeray, I was doing some IMDb trivia research. He's on NCIS, or if that show is still running, but he sounds too American, and so they got him dubbed 
by someone else. Well, Jason Marsden. For a part that is like 95% voice work. Because <laughs> the rest of the film, he's he's a fucking cat, right? And so he did not do the voice. Like, he got paid. Like, he was hired probably to be the, you know, the voice and everything. And then yeah. overdubbed They didn't hire him just to play the flashback sequence yeah. his voice would have intended to be the voice of the cat exactly. for the entire film <laughs> but he got dubbed in post by someone else it's so fucking funny <laughs> oh man well these things happen you know i understand it you're in post you're listening to it and the director just says this voice isn't working for yeah. me i thought it was okay and it's just not working but you're stuck with the fact that you've shot the flashback yeah and so they had jason marsden come in and dub over his voice and to their credit it's not that jarring i'm not sure i would have really noticed if i hadn't seen that there was two actors yeah. playing mm-hmm. the role if you're looking for it you can tell that it's dubbed but it's it's pretty good it's a it's a pretty good recreation yeah. and they they get it pretty close i just can't imagine being that guy he got like adrian brody in post by somebody else. I mean, I'm sure they would like run it by his like. It's actor. even worse though, because it would <laughs> be like if Adrian Brody is only in two scenes, except he's dubbed over for those two scenes. <laughs> yeah, and you're also like cutting out the part that this is a literal child. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's, it's not. It's not like it's 30 year old like Adrian Brody being like, ah, oh, well, I guess you win next time. This is like a child being like, I'm the lead in this movie, and everyone's like, no, you're not. He's like, no, come and see. And then they, as you say. All right, so where were we? Oh, um, just the the, the child abduction and the the, the murder of, of uh, what's his what's his sister's name? His sister's name is Emily. Emily, yes, Emily Banks. She's been kidnapped by Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, and they have to. She's uh, actually, she's lured away because this is you, you get the song in the beginning. She's lured away from the "Come, little children, I'll take thee away." Because you you, you yeah. see them running through the woods, so it's it's it is a kidnapping, but they're they're lured away. Sure, they all have special powers. Sarah Jessica Parker has the power to lure children like a siren, like the Pied Piper. She sings a song, <laughs> and the children become brainwashed and like follow her down the street. Her sister Mary Sanderson, who's played by uh, Kathy Jimmy, has the power to smell children, so she can smell them wherever they are. And then Winifred Sanderson played by the great Bette Midler, has the power to sing. She's got force lightning. And force lightning. And, and that book, what is it, the Book of Shadows? It can it can do a lot of stuff. And she seems to be in, in charge of it. Disnomicon? I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Disnomicon. The Disnomicon? <laughs> I like that. That's good. So uh, Thackeray tries to rescue his sister, but he is too late. He confronts them. They capture him and turn him into... A black cat. One thing I want to call back to. Uh, this movie was produced by Bonnie Brockheimer. Any relation to Jerry Brockheimer? I forgot to look that up. That's right. Let's look this up right now. Live on air. Because I, I caught that too. And I All right. Was... Stop everything, everybody. We're looking at Bonnie Brockheimer. I, I mean, that's a pretty distinct name. I'm. It's got to be. I mean, he was married to somebody named Bonnie Fishman at one point. That's probably got to be it. Come on. <laughs> Well, if she professionally went by Bruckheimer, you would think his bio would list her as Bonnie Bruckheimer. Maybe they they split. He said married at one time. So at the time, she was going by Bonnie Bruckheimer. Okay, so she was the producer of Beaches and Night Moves. Um, oh, maybe she, she's a Bette Midler. Oh, it's definitely this movie. Yeah, she's a, uh, she also produced uh, Gypsy with Bette Midler. So. Yeah. And she was married to Jerry Bruckheimer from 1969 to 1974. There you go. Wait, 1974? Yeah. All right. This movie came out in 93, but okay. 
Yeah. So there you go. Nice. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Breaking news. <laughs> We're breaking that. In 1974, <laughs> Jerry Bruckheimer divorced Bonnie Bruckheimer. Uh, and both went on to produce very successful Disney films. All right. Where were we? <laughs> We're all over the place. We're all over the place. Um, Zachary has just made his way to the cabin in the woods. He's been captured. He's been he's been captured. He's been turned into a cat. Yeah. But he sends his friend to get their parents. And even though he's been turned into a cat and the sister is dead, the town folk have come to lynch these witches. I really wanted to touch on something really quickly. Um, there's a warning at the beginning of the film claiming that you should be concerned because there's tobacco use in the movie. <laughs> Within the first five minutes, a seven-year-old child dies on screen and her limp body <laughs> remains dead on screen for a few minutes after the fact. But you should be worried about smoking. Yeah. I'm not even sure there is smoking in this, though. But there's, there's a There's a reference to smoking. There's, and yeah. there's a lighter. Yeah. Yes. But I don't think anyone actually smokes in this movie. Although the reference to smoking is its own thing. We'll get to that. That's its own mystery. I want to talk about how Sarah Jessica Parker wants to molest that boy. Sarah Jessica Parker wants to molest everybody. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker is hornieth on Maineth. <laughs> she is John Austin times a thousand from Freaky Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of just took it that that was her character. And yep. it's even, it's not just her performance choice. That's written into the script. Oh, yeah. Which we'll get to because... She uh, had an affair with Doug Jones in the script. She just sleeps with everybody. <laughs> yep. As you said, Horneth on Maineth. Anyway, uh, all right. So I, I can't remember. We we keep getting dislodged. <laughs> town, folk, <laughs> town folk show up. They have their pitchforks and they're stomping through the woods. 50 Frenchmen can't be wrong. And they show up at the door and they capture the witches. And they put up a makeshift uh, gallows. 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 They put up a makeshift gallows and they're preparing to hang the witches. And they ask, where is our son Thackeray? And the witches say, oh, cat has our tongue. And then they laugh amongst themselves. Then just before they are hanged, Bette Midler casts a spell that suggests they are going to rise from the dead when a virgin raises them on Hallow's Eve sometime in the future, and then they are killed. They are hanged. When the, when the moon is full, they have to light the, what is it, the black flamed candle? The black flame candle will be lit by a virgin. It's a very complicated series of, of instructions. It's almost as complicated as that Blackbeard's ghost curse. <laughs> this movie reminded me a lot of Blackbeard's ghost as we're going through. Although, to be fair, this curse makes more sense. Yeah. This is the kind of curse that you make when you are on the gallows and you are about to die. Not the 10-page curse from Blackbeard's <laughs> Ghost, where she's like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, but, but your ex-wife places upon you as she's being burned alive. <laughs> Page three. <laughs> Subclass Of the curse. Two. This one, it's at least only like four lines long, and she could say it, you know, scream it at people just before she dies. At that point, the cat tries to get his father's attention because he's actually... Thackeray, and the father says, get away from me, you mangy cat. Then we flash forward to the present and we find out that all of this is a story being told to a class by their teacher in Salem, Massachusetts in the present day. So I have a question here. How does the teacher know that Thackeray is the cat? Actually, it was pretty funny. I was watching this with, as I said, with my wife and actually uh, their cousin, her cousin, and uh, they, they asked the same question. They don't. So this is an uh, like a omnipotent flashback. Omnipotent. 
omnipotent. omnipotent? Um, sorry, yeah, uh, <laughs> omnipotent uh, narrator situation where please keep that in. <laughs> well, fuck you all. Where she says, and there seems to be a black cat that is guarding the candle every Halloween, right? The Sanderson sisters' house every Halloween, uh, but nobody knows what happened to the cat. What happened to Thackeray? Uh, so it's 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 like we are actually seeing what happened, but they are telling a different version of the story. That's yeah, that's kind of the impression I got was that is, this isn't like this is you're you are seeing what actually happened, yep. and then it cuts to the teacher telling the story of the town. So this isn't necessarily verbatim. oh, so the teacher's story didn't include all the information about Thackeray yeah. being turned into a cat, yeah. despite the fact yeah. that the visual cinematic sto- shorthand that we are using is that everything we just saw is part of her story because yeah. it cuts to her telling the story. And that, children, is what happened all those years ago. But you're saying that we should ignore that cinematic shorthand mm-hmm. and presume that her story didn't include that key information. Correct. Okay. I did have my own theory. Oh, what is it? <laughs> do tell. First of all, the cat tried to get his father's attention, but couldn't do so. Presumably, the cat could not speak English. Yet... Later on, during the course of the adventure in the present, the cat does speak English. Uh Uh-huh. And so my theory is the cat taught himself to speak English. (laughs) (laughs) But that was not part of the magic. But after 300 years, this cat learned to use its cat tongue and its cat vocal box in such a way as to speak English. And this only happened recently. And so it's only been able to speak to two people. One is that teacher. (laughs) And then the other one... Is our main character Max? But uh, that was my other possibility. For how- I mean, I wish, but they actually do address it, Sean, in the in the movie. They address the cat thing. I yeah, thought they didn't. They do. No, they say uh, he says I I I can talk now, but it's only since he lit the candle when the magic came back oh, is when he I totally missed started that. talking. Fuck! I just thought he taught himself English. Yeah. Damn it. I, I, I kind of wish it is now, but no. Uh, it's He couldn't talk up until uh, the candle was lit. All right. Okay. Well, then I guess the only explanation is your explanation. Keep going. Okay. So this teacher is telling this story to the class, and now we're introduced to our main character, Maximilian Goof. what's really funny is i have actually watched a goofy movie in the past few months before we started this podcast uh just by chance um and that makes it so much funnier he is maximilian goof that's amazing bobby tell me about this scene with the teacher so this is some classic teenage angst in a movie where he's the new kid in school he's just moved from town to salem massachusetts he used to live in los angeles and he misses his friends and he misses everybody and the teacher says what's the matter don't you believe in witches and he says no don't you understand it's all a conspiracy man it was made up by the candy companies none of this is real <laughs> she also like she makes fun of his like california clothes she's like hey there I, cool yeah. dude with your tie-dye shirt and your <laughs> california laid-back demeanor we don't like any of that here in Salem. Salem, Massachusetts. We yeah. just like autumn and pumpkins. <laughs> Get your tie-dye and surfboards out of here. Right. And then you're introduced to Allison, the cute girl in school, who tells him, actually, it is based on All Hallows' Eve, the night when the spirits of the dead can return to Earth. And you're I, like, I love how this scene sort of plays out almost like the exact opposite of every stereotypical like high school comedy, like high school coming-of-age scene, because... The cool surfer kid is like the male protagonist character who has no friends 
And then Allison is introduced by, like, pushing her glasses up, like, the bridge of her nose and saying, uh, well, actually, uh, All Hallows' Eve was the first holiday where actually all of the dead could come back to life, and it's a historical fact. And then everyone in class stands up and applauds her nerdiness. (laughs) Yep. And then the cool surfer kid is like, oh, shucks. No, it's stupider than that. He gets up in front of a class. Oh, my God. Why do you do this? In front of everyone and just says, yeah, well, in case Jimi Hendrix shows up, why don't you give me a call tonight? He throws his (laughs) 555 number down. And I was just like, Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix was the name the writers came up with to throw out at that point. Okay. Regardless. Why did he think this was a good idea? He just got owned in class. Everyone applauded the person that owned him. And then he stood up and, like, put the moves on her and gave her his phone number. In front of everybody. Yeah. While everyone was watching, including the teacher. Who thought this was a good idea? And then and then the, the actual cool kid at the back of the class walks by and is like, fat chance, Max. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I understand why he did that. Max has a humiliation fetish. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Is this your is this your theory for the movie? And as we go through this movie, I'm gonna po- I'm gonna point out that he has a humiliation fetish, and that explains his character to me. Okay, I just I just rethought the entire plot of the yep. movie. Yeah, all right, that's it, that's it right there. So after he gets off on humiliating himself, he walks out of the school and he goes up to Allison again, and they start talking about Halloween. And here's another weird thing about this movie: he acts as if Halloween doesn't exist in California. I know. He's like, what's with all this Halloween stuff in Salem? You guys (laughs) are into all of this, like, spooks and ghost stuff. So weird. And it's like... And then she's like, you don't believe this stuff Uh, on Halloween? He goes, especially not on Halloween. I'm from California, man. Like, we're into, like, New Age and crystals. None of this Halloween costume (laughs) shit, man. He's insufferable. I mean, you said you didn't like him, Sean, but like, I hate he's him. pretty I hate insufferable. Him. I hate him as a character. I hate his arc. I hate how he occupies this place of like the Disney male lead who gets the girl as a trophy at the end. Like, it's terrible. I hate the whole thing. I like other aspects of this movie, kind of, but I, I hate the whole central lead character. The thing. only thing I like is that, like, he actually cares about his sister. Like, that's the only Well, part. that's his arc. I Because at the beginning, is, he's like, I like, don't care about works. you. You suck. And then he- It works. Yeah. He cares about her when he thinks it will get him laid, and then cares about her when the cat, the real lead and hero of this movie, tells him he should stop being an asshole and care yeah. about his sister. Like, if the whole movie was actually just Thor, Birch, and Allison and, and wandering Binks. around with the cat- and Binks, just like the 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll get to it. But I love Thora Birch in this movie. She is fantastic. She's pretty and good. And the Sanderson sisters are a lot of fun. If this was Thora yeah. Birch versus the Sanderson sisters, this would legitimately be a very good film. As it is, though, it's not. And so I don't think it's a very good film, but we'll get to that. <laughs> she gives him a free humiliation by giving him a slip of paper. He opens it up and realizes it's his own phone number. And a different note, though. Did you notice that? The insert shot? It's a totally different note. Yeah, the handwriting's different, yeah, it's too. I think it's supposed different. to be the same, though. I think that's it's supposed, supposed to be, to be the, same the same note, but it, it's not. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, no one will ever notice. Podcasts don't exist yet. <laughs> what are they going to do? Pause the movie in the theater? I don't think so. <laughs> and then he bikes home, and in the most disrespectful fashion, only not only to prove he doesn't believe in ghosts and Halloween and any of this mumbo-jumbo, he rides his bike through a graveyard over people's graves. Yep. Only to get mugged by... <laughs> Bulk and Skull? 
<laughs> I also wrote down Bulk and Skull. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bulk and Skull. My note is bikes through graveyard, Bulk yep. and Skull show up. I love it. We should say what that's from. The Power Rangers TV show, right? It's, it's from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The original <sighs> run. Yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. They, they, were, they were on that show for a long time, actually. They were through a couple iterations of I, it. I watched until the Green Ranger showed up. That's the amount of that canon that I know. Before he turned <laughs> to the White Ranger? So you, you watched the first, like, 12 episodes? Yeah, I think that's about all I saw. Well, I never had cable. Yeah. I saw, like, the first 12 episodes because I had to go to my grandmother's house to watch it. Mm. And that was how many episodes I would go out of my way to watch Power Rangers. And then, you know, after the Green Ranger Dragon Sword epic, I was like, this is too far out of my way. <laughs> so I stopped going. <laughs> when I was unemployed when I first moved back, I was like, I got nothing to do. I can't sleep. Let's watch Power Rangers. And I got up to the end of the Green Ranger arc and stopped. That's where, <laughs> that's where the show ends. That's where the show ends, to my knowledge. I never had cable either. My uh, my parents signed up for the free trial, whatever the cable company said, and I it was like two months free, and I watched the Green Ranger, Green Ranger arc, and then her free trial ended, and I didn't go past So that's it. all you saw too? <laughs> I need like two episodes pass after Return of the White Rangers, but that was it. It's a show that's been on for 20 years, and all three of us only saw the exact same arc. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, it was a good arc. It was cool. It's a great, it's it a great arc. The show goes downhill. Rita Repulsa gets her own Power Ranger. Come on. It's a great genius story. Yeah, and then he comes back to good. He becomes the White Ranger um, after the movie, but we're not allowed <laughs> to talk about that movie. Because that's not the movie we're talking about, and it's also not on the surface. We have to talk about it for two seconds. Sean, remember when we watched that? Oh, yeah, 10,000 years ago in the city of Angel Grove. (laughs) I do remember that. The opening scroll, like Star Wars, starts with the words 10,000 years ago in the city of Angel Grove. In the city of Angel Grove. And at that point, we turned to each other and we said, wow. It all just fell apart one sentence in. Back to Hocus Pocus. I just want to keep talking about Power Rangers, but I can't. It's the 90s, and this would have been on at the same time and we oh, would have been 100%. like watching this in between green ranger episodes for sure max dennison definitely watched power rangers he gets he goes to the graveyard he's introduced to bulk and skull he's introduced to bulk and skull bulk and skull confront him to bully him as bulk and skullish people are wont to do and here is ice. something ice has the word ice shaved into the back of his head because it's the 90s and that's what cool kids did i don't remember i wrote down the line um the guys go my name's not ernie it's ice but what is James Franco's name? His name was Jay. It's Jay, Jay and Ernie. Jay and, then and Ernie. Ernie goes by Ice, which he's shaved yeah. into the back of his head, just like a kid we went to school with shaved the word Space Jam into the back of his head. <laughs> because that's what cool kids did in the 90s. They shaved oh absurd words into the back of their head. And uh, Jay and Ice steal his running shoes. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, they do not steal his running shoes. They point out his cross trainers, and then there is a slow down pan shot to show his brand new, probably released at the same time as this movie, Nike cross trainers. They point out the type of shoe. So there's a weird edit here, and I didn't notice it when I watched the movie, but I think I've discovered something that they've hidden from us. There's something censored. When Bulk and Skull first confront him... <laughs> uh Jay says... Is that Bulk or is that Skull? <laughs> that would be Skull? Skull is the skinny Probably. one, right? That'd be, yeah, that'd yeah. be Skull, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bulk yeah. is the big one. He asks him for, for a cigarette, which I guess is one of the cigarette references, why they give the cigarette warning at the beginning, because he asks for a cigarette. And Max says, I don't smoke. And then in the movie, he says, do you have any 
cash. And he says, no. And then they say, you don't smoke. You don't have any cash. Well, what are you going to give us? When I was looking online at some reviews and I went, as I sometimes do, to review like the Christian censorship website where it talks about all the (laughs) objectionable stuff in the movie. And as I some as you're want to do, <laughs> as I want to do, and when it lists the objectionable stuff in the movie, it says that there's drug references. And then I actually went to two of these different like family friendly warning sites that list all the objectionable stuff in the movie, and another one specifically said there's a reference to hash. Hmm. And I went, there's no reference to hash or drugs in this movie. But then I actually rewatched that scene, and they don't say cash. They say hash, and it was redubbed. Seriously. In the theatrical cut, obviously, he asks them, he asks Wh- Max what? for a cigarette, what? and then he asks what? him for hash. What? Yeah. What? It's weird. Who thought that was a good idea in a Disney movie? Like, how many kids in Salem are smoking hash in 1993? I don't know. And they put that into a movie. But that was in the movie. Enough that it's the second question you ask someone when you've met them. Jesus. That was, I think, re-edited probably for a TV cut. Actually, more likely, it was just re-edited for the VHS cut. You know, like they're not even acknowledging that that was a change. But I think it obviously was there in the theatrical cut because I can find references to it online. And if you look at it closely, they're saying hash. Because I was out in the woods um, and my my Disney Plus app uh, needed updating. Um, I actually watched this movie by nefarious means, and uh, they actually said cash in that edit as well. Yeah, I don't think it's like the Disney Plus. And I don't think it's available where they say hash. Yeah, I think that's, they've deleted all traces of it. And I wouldn't have even noticed, because cash is so close Yeah, yeah. that I I don't think I would have noticed. But um, anyway, that's a weird little piece of trivia. (laughs) Do you imagine Max Edison going, I don't smoke cigarettes. No, I don't smoke hash either. Like, like... What a strange fucking thing. I mean, he is from California, so not an unfair question. He's he's wearing tie-dye clothes. Yeah, he's he's wearing tie-dye. He listened to Jimi Hendrix. He's from the West Coast. Now that you describe it like that, I think he clearly does smoke hash, so he's just lying to Bulk and Skull. That's probably fair. Uh, Did you guys notice um, some IMDb trivia? Uh, His tie-dye shirt is the same colors as the Sanderson sisters' outfit, apparently. So if I'm led to believe. Didn't notice that, nor did I look at the IMDb trivia, so keep throwing them out, Rob. You're the trivia guy today, apparently. <laughs> All right, that's unfortunate, but uh, I'll let you uh, continue on with Sean with your plot synopsis here. <laughs> okay, so they steal his shoes, and so he then goes home shoeless, and he's quite upset. He comes in the door, and his parents say, how was school? And he say, it sucked. And then he goes upstairs in a huff. We got a timeout for one second. Okay, what happened? Uh, two things. The mom from the Great Outdoors is in this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I'm glad you stopped me, Robbie. And, we almost yeah. missed that. They're much better parents than uh, our Black friends. Black Jack? Because I was going to go with the Black Jack. You were going to go with the yeah. Black Jack? Yeah. They're just like, I think he was, was he wearing shoes? They didn't ground him or nothing. My Black Jack reference was I was going to say that Max obviously learned <laughs> from Black Jack not to tell his parents <laughs> that he lost his shoes because they would have grounded him. Because yeah. he didn't take care of okay. his possessions. Yeah. Which is why he doesn't explain. He just huffs and storms off to his room. Yep. That's what Preston should have done. His his mistake was ever telling his parents. Um, something I caught which was weird was when he storms off into his room, he has a brand new skateboard he's clearly never ever ridden once. There's not one mark, skiff, scratch, anything on it. It is a Hellraiser skateboard. 
Um, the graphic on the board is Pinhead holding the Lament configuration, which I was like, that's really weird. Is that a, was that a real skateboard? And like, was that an actual graphic? And from what I've done, I don't think it ever, it was an actual board graphic of the time. They just thought it would be cool to throw a pinhead skateboard in it. A few years ago, the company Supreme, they did a collaboration with Hellraiser on a bunch of random things. But one of the things they did was that deck, which I mean, I'm not, I love Hellraiser and I skateboard. I'm not paying $160 for my skateboard for Supreme, but I thought that was kind of fun that they actually reissued that board specifically. All right. So that's uh, another episode of Board Background with Bobby. <laughs> How many sideshows do I have? <laughs> you did so much research for this one graphic and like the background of the episode. Well, it, it, I, I skateboard, so I, I, I always, like, you know, with that time you guys forced me to watch High School the Musical 3, I paid attention to the skateboard the guy was carrying. <laughs> I like how I'm just imagining now, like, I have like four or five pages of notes. Robbie's done his like IMDb background. Bobby comes in, he's just got this booklet. It's all just skateboard research. He's just. <laughs> predicated on this one board in the background of a shot his room is fucking awesome though right we can all agree he has the fucking he has the coolest room he's the shittiest son and he has the best room he's in the got house. the fucking best room he has like a lighthouse turret on the in his bedroom i was i was about to say that i wrote down does everyone in maine live in a lighthouse <laughs> <laughs> although it's God. massachusetts but still yeah. um yeah his his bedroom it has like a loft attached to it. It's that it just has like 360 degree windows. You're introduced to the fact that his sister has been hiding in his closet the whole time. You get the horror movie kind of Michael Myers style freak out where you see someone on the other side of the closet. And this is our introduction to young Thora Birch. And as you said, she is very good in this movie. She has amazing comedic timing for a child. Um, I believe it's in this exact scene. He talks about how she almost died fight getting mugged at school and her response to him is well at least you would have died like a man (laughs) (laughs) like dude she's seven and she just got you uh no she's great i love thora birch in this movie she like carries every single scene she's in there's lines that other characters deliver that don't work that become funny because of her like facial expression response to them really like she's really good in this film i wasn't paying attention I, I mean, I've seen this movie, it was kind of on autopilot when I was watching it, because I've seen it so many times. I was not watching Thora Birch's performance with that specificity. We get this very awkward moment where Max is making out with his pillow, pretending it's <laughs> Allison, and then Thora Birch surprises him. And she tells him that he's going to be taking her trick-or-treating tonight for Halloween, and forces him to do so, because if not, she's just going to yell and scream and tell her parents, make him do that. Yeah. But she does. And so he goes out trick-or-treating. Um, he doesn't really wear a costume. He just kind of puts on aviators and then he tells his father that he's going as a rap singer. Yep. Which – I didn't get it. I don't understand if he's being sarcastic, if he's saying a joke at his father's expense, if he's doesn't understand – rap music is i don't i don't understand later it. in the movie thora birch says he's going as a little leaguer yeah i didn't understand any of that yeah it didn't make any sense i think there was stuff cut out of this movie that sometimes yeah. leads me to be very confused plan 442 was missing from this film but he goes out trick-or-treating and despite the fact <laughs> that he's got no costume on he's got a bag of candy so he's mm-hmm. one of those assholes who goes up to the door 
and he's been taking candy with his little sister, despite the fact that he can't even be bothered to put on a costume. What a jackass. See, this is what I'm telling you. I hate this character. <laughs> I hate him so much. What happens next, Robbie? Uh, well, at one house, um, Bulk and Sol- Skull show back up. And this, I wrote this down because this was boggling my mind. They are, they are extorting all of the kids that walk by for candy. Bulk says it's a 10 chocolate bar minimum. That's just a Canadian saying. They say candy bars down in the States. Where the hell did that come from? Maybe it's an East Coast thing, or maybe you're just stereotyping. I don't know. No, I've never heard anybody in the States ever refer to as chocolate bar. It's only ever been candy bar. Do you spend a lot of time in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yes, I do. I, I summer there. I mean, I know you travel a lot for work. Do you do you travel to Massachusetts a lot? Are you All the time. All right. Well, for our American listeners, please write in. Tell us. Do you say chocolate bar? Do you say candy bar? Rob wants to know. He's dying to know. He needs to know. So please. He also really wants you to like and subscribe and leave a review as you mentioned the chocolate bars. <laughs> do those two things. In the review, reference candy bar or chocolate bar. Just write in the review. Five stars and then just the title of the review, chocolate bar or candy bar. That's what we want to know. But yeah, they, they run into uh, and Skull, who have a gang of idiots who are stealing candy from children. But apparently nobody in Salem gives a shit. They could just walk around and get candy without costumes, as Max has proven. Then Thora Birch says that her she's with her brother and he's going to protect her and uh, beat them up and i was just like okay read the room thora birch read the room clearly <laughs> max isn't gonna do shit i know she thinks highly of him but the same guys who took his cross trainers earlier in the day are- oh i thought she was messing with max really you thought that's what it was i thought she was messing with max she messes with max at every single other opportunity like um when allison shows up she immediately starts like talking about how <laughs> obsessed maxes with her <laughs> her zumbas yobas <laughs> her yabos we'll get to that but um uh i think she 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 likes uh riling him up i think she's she likes um putting him in awkward situations she likes to see him squirm and i yeah, think but from what you said he likes he it. likes it because he has a humiliation fetish yeah but let's not dive into the dynamics of that and his younger sister shall we i mean when when she pops out of the closet she's laying on his bed and says kiss me i'm allison over and over again it was fucking weird it's kind of weird moving on um yep. max gives them the candy instead of mugging he goes here you go bulk yeah pig <laughs> the out. candy that he shouldn't have had in the first place yeah and then he and his sister they have an argument he thinks that she embarrassed him which she did yep he says I just want to finish this, and then I don't want you to be part of my life. It's a very aggressive thing. He says, collect your candy and get out of my life. Yeah, it's a very aggressive statement that seems only there in order to check off a box about character growth. Um, Yeah. Because it seems to come out of nowhere, and then it disappears. Because he immediately then is like... Oh, never mind, because she gets upset. And then he's like, oh, you know, never mind. And then he takes her to Allison's house, which is the largest house in Salem. So this is what I want to talk about now. Okay, so he doesn't immediately know that it's Allison's house. He just goes into the biggest mansion on the street. Seems to be the largest house in mansion. They point out how rich these people must be. They walk inside. You can tell that it's cold outside and they want to convey the fact that it's cold outside. Because he doesn't say, look at that house. He says, wow, look at that house. <laughs> and stretches out that H so you can see the cold air come out of his lungs when he says it. Oh, I didn't I didn't notice that. 
I, I caught that because nobody, I don't care where you, there is no original accent where you ha house. <laughs> you roll your H's somehow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the LA accent. That's the kind of accent you develop when you grow up in LA and then move to Salem. They go into this house and the house is full of party goers, but all of these party goers are dressed in <laughs> 17th century garb. Um, all of the men have wigs, powdered wigs. All of the women are wearing bodices and elaborate 17th century dresses. Is this a cult? Yep. Uh, this, they, they walked into an eyes wide shot party. Yep. This is a cult. If for sure. It's, this is some weird Comedia del Arte, uh, <laughs> period piece sex cult that Allison's parents are obviously a part of. This is some rich people bullshit. That's what this is. <laughs> And she says, you know what, they're never, when they eventually leave in the scene, she says, you know what, we can just take off. They're never going to miss me. No, because they're having an orgy. Yeah, as soon as the kids leave or go to bed, they are just fucking. Well, she's on candy duty. She says, I have to stay here and watch the candy. I'm not allowed in the back room. Keep in mind, the two kids walked into the house because she's not manning the fucking door. She had to do that entrance from the top of the stairs. So everyone's just entering this house. They're going to see dicks and whatever very quickly if Allison doesn't get to, like, manning that door pretty quick. They, the kids dodged a bullet there because they don't know which Halloween party their parents have gone to. <laughs> There's two Halloween parties for adults in this town, and, like, their parents... This could have had a very different sequence where they find their parents <laughs> at a Halloween party. <laughs> instead of making them dance for until they die. If their parents were instead at the Eyes Wide Shut orgy party, oh, no. where, like, maybe they're dead would have been dressed as madonna we don't know what goes on at this party <laughs> uh, maybe cut that joke out <laughs> nope <laughs> leave it in <laughs> hey no judgment yeah no that man can have sexual pleasure and gratification in any way he wants whether it be humiliation or otherwise yeah anything between consenting adults one thing i will say at this party uh allison gives them some cider and we get uh one of the first real uh examples of bad cup acting i've seen in uh, any of these films we've watched the bad cup acting is when there's clearly no liquid in any of the cups and the the actors don't know what to do with it and they're just sloshing the cup around like no liquid would ever stay in that vessel had it actually had been moved like that. And they're just chugging hot apple cider apparently like it's going out of style. All right. Well, Thora Birch wasn't that great at the cup acting. She's good at everything else. She didn't get to the cup acting class at Juilliard <laughs> yeah. yet. All right. Cut her some slack. All right. Um, this is the Yabo scene, though. A very strange sequence where she compliments Allison's Yabos, mm -hmm. which are breasts. And <laughs> thank you for that, Sean. <laughs> well, if someone hasn't seen it, it might right. not be obvious. Um, in the context of the scene, is obvious what she's talking about. But here's the thing: did did they make up this word for this movie? I think. I, so. I googled it. I can't find any <laughs> reference. There's no literary reference. Really. There's no, like, you can do a Google literary search in books. It never comes up anywhere. You are a brave, brave man <laughs> to Google a euphemism for breasts into Google for literary purposes. I felt pretty safe using the word yabos. I didn't think that was going to put me on a list. I don't think, I don't think the C CIA I, I, I is looking for yabos. You're, you're, you're not going to end up on a CSIS list. It's just when you don't know what something is and you like Google photos of it, it, it can go one of Look, several I ways. wrote it down. How did you spell it? Because I didn't know. Uh, well, I have uh, closed captioning on all the time, oh, gotcha. so I was using the closed captioning <laughs> spelling because I'm a millennial and I always have closed captioning on. Uh, 
Y-A-B-O. Oh, that's what I wrote too. Anyway, there are references to it. All the references are either references to this movie, Hocus Pocus, or references to it as slang, but those references post-date this movie. And so I think it's just people who have seen this movie then recording it as slang. that, that That thought it was a euphemism. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they invented it for this movie. It's like the Disney version of Frack from Battlestar Galactica. Like, mm. I think they're just inventing a word so that they can get it past the censors. The Disney censors. Not the actual censors. Well, both the Disney censors and, and like, the, the, the ratings board. Um, if it's not a real word, it's probably a lot harder for people to be like, you can't use this. Yeah. Yabos. <laughs> Even though in context it's obvious what she's talking about, it's not yeah. going to be on any list where they're like, well, we have a list of words you can't use and that's not on there. So <laughs> I guess that's okay. It's uh, it's really funny that you you said this because I just took it with a grain of salt that that's what they're referring to. And I've seen this movie so many times that I didn't even I've question it. I've never seen this movie and it jumped out at me. I'm like, I've never fucking heard that word. That's hilarious. I've never heard that. I heard this word once before and it was when I was like – Eight, and I watched this movie as a kid. I don't think it exists anywhere else. It's only no. in this movie. That's hilarious. But as as Thora Birch has given this speech, Allison is just totally fine with it. Thora Birch is just like, you got nice yabos. My brother Max likes your yabos. And, Thor- yeah. and Allison's just like smiling at Max and being like, not even being like, this is really awkward. She's just like, okay, I'm cool with it. Let's go hang out with these people. It's such a weird scene. It's a very strange scene. Yeah, I don't understand the scene. And I just... I'm just going to move on. Yep. Within the context of this scene, before we have to move on, um, she compliments Thora Birch's witch costume and mentions that her mom used to work at the Sanderson Sister Museum, which is why she knows so much about it. Part of their cult. But they closed it down because too much spooky things were happening. They used to have the orgy there. That's why they closed <laughs> yeah, it down. Yeah. The, and she got, <laughs> she got caught at work fucking people. <laughs> and now they have to hold their sex club parties in their house. <sighs> That's fucking funny. Come on, you know they used to have their sex parties at that place. Why wouldn't you? And they used to light that candle all the time, but none of them were virgins because <laughs> they were all having sex. Yeah. Because <laughs> the candle has clearly been burned before. Oh, yeah. So Allison knows where the keys are, and Max says, well, why don't we just go? Go to the place where your parents used to hold these, like, sex orgies in hopes of raising the Sanderson sisters. And the three of them are like, that's a great idea. Let's go do that. And then, as we said, Allison says, you know what? Everyone's just going to get naked and start fucking, so no one's going to miss me if I leave this party. <laughs> so they go to the Sanderson's house. <laughs> and it's just covered in cobwebs. How long did her mother work there? Like, how long ago? Allison said my mom used to work here. There's like 30 years of dust and debris in that place. Okay, listen. We hope that it's cobwebs, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was obviously so scandalous that they didn't take out any of the merchandise. They left everything in there. We're like, no, lock the doors and never go back in. May I never unsee what I cannot unsee ever again in my life. <laughs> Everyone at the party walked out and they were like, we're never speaking of this again. We're never speaking of this again. Lock the doors. We're closing the museum. <laughs> and next time we do this, we're all putting on masks. <laughs> so anyway, they're at the Sanderson's house. <laughs> And they go in there, and 
Max grabs a lighter. It's like a souvenir uh, tourist lighter because it used to be a museum. It's a Zippo lighter. It's Zippo branded. Product placement number two. And they walk around. There's little plaques on everything. There's a plaque on the Book of Spells. There's a plaque on the cauldron. And then there is a plaque on this candle. It is the black flame candle. And it says that if this candle is lit by a virgin on a full moon night on Halloween, it will raise the dead. Max says, why don't we light it and bring the broads back? And he's got this smirk on his face. <laughs> no, 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 no. This shot, you can't, you can't, you can't just, this is, they say the title in the film. This is the title line. It is the title line. He says, it's just a bunch it's of hocus pocus. just a bunch of hocus pocus. Oh, he says it here? He says it here? Yep. And then when the Sanderson sisters say it, it's a callback. Oh, I... Yeah. Because they could hear him. Max, with his humiliation fetish, <laughs> reads this thing and he says, Did somebody say virgin? Back up, everybody. A virgin is here. And this teenage boy proudly, like, he, he like, struts up to be like... I'm a virgin. I'm going to light this candle. And it's the weirdest plot device I've ever seen. I have to say. You know what? For the hell of it, I'll give it something. Because there's this, there is this, like, in movies then and leading up to it, there's always this yeah. dumb stigma about, like, how awful being a virgin is, like, especially if you're a dude. And he's just like, yeah, sure, I light the candle. I'm a virgin. Whatever. Yeah, except he doesn't say it like that. But I agree. It is, it's nice to see a little change of pace, but it's just so funny. And this girl that he has a crush on. Yeah. He's, like, staring her in the eyes. By the way. That's me. Yeah. I'm a virgin. Yeah, and then he, like, lights the candle, and immediately it brings back the Sanderson sisters. I did like how quickly it happened. Oftentimes in these movies, there'll be kind of like a, well, that didn't work moment. You know, they'll light sure. the candle, they'll look around, nothing happens. Oh, I knew that wasn't real. And then they'll, like, walk out, Jump and then suddenly be like, woo, or yeah, something yeah. will happen. But it was, like, immediately after lighting it, it's a black flame, and there's just, the whole house starts shaking, and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then the Sanderson sisters come back and it's actually a ways into the movie to be fair they are in the flashback at the beginning yeah. so they are introduced earlier but it's still a ways to get in it's like 25 minutes into the movie almost 30 minutes into this movie before they essentially return to the plot and then it becomes much more exciting because they're a lot of fun. Like all three of them. They like they like as, as you said. They're they're all having fun. They're all just enjoying what they were doing. They're all turned up to eleven. Some cases up to twelve. I forget. Sorry, I wrote it down, but I forgot. Um, um, not Sarah Jessica Parker or Bette Midler. Yeah, uh, Kathy and Jimmy. I really appreciated her this viewing. She is doing so much. I really found her character to be quite funny. A lot of her lines were just fantastic, and I never picked up on it because she's kind of, I mean, she's doing the, the thing with her uh, her lip, and she's sniffing out the kids, right? Yeah. But a lot of her lines are kind of under-delivered. I, I'll just get to it now. Are they the genie from Aladdin? Uh, we should address that now. How so? Like, they understand modern pop culture? Yes. They have a lot of references to modern pop culture yeah. and references that... They should not know. But, like, where's that coming from? Well, they're witches. And as Bobby was suggesting, apparently they could hear whatever Max was saying even before okay. they were brought back. So they do have some sort of omnipotence, I think. I think they have an understanding of the world around them, even though they've been gone for 300 years. It's not like okay. the last thing they remember was 1693, I think. 
Okay, because yeah, at the very end, like when they're driving the, the the truck and the the witches are flying their brooms beside him, Bette Midler says, "Pull over, let me see your driver's permit." And by by that by that point in the movie, she's been around enough that you kind of left okay. her assume they figured some stuff out. Like okay. that is much later in the movie. There's also like a point where Kathy and Jimmy is um talking about scrawd or fish Scrotted. or whatever. <laughs> it's a bottom dweller. You cook yeah. it with breadcrumbs and margarine or some olive oil. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, well. Okay, they wouldn't have had olive oil in 17th century Massachusetts, and they definitely didn't have margarine. So. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. what's their reference point? Were they cut, like aware while they were dead? Were their souls in hell just like <laughs> viewing this? Because they said they'd been to hell. Um, were they just like uh, uh, knowing what's going on? But then they say later, um, when they told them it's been 300 years, they're like freaking out that they've been dead so long. They don't, they don't, they don't freak out. There, there's a couple of moments like they don't understand buses and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, which I like their reactions. They've been to hell. Perhaps they've been keeping up on the world. There's new people come to hell and okay. tell them, Hey, what have we missed? And they're like, Oh yeah, there's this like thing called like margarine. It's great. So they might have some understanding based on who they talk to. Yeah, but they don't know what a fucking street is, man. Like <laughs> they say it's a black river. When you get to hell. <laughs> And you haven't seen someone's like 300 years. Like, what's changed in the world? You walk on a road every day. You're not going to talk yeah. about the road. You're going to talk about. You're going to talk about margarine. You're going to talk about <laughs> television. They made this shit. It's like butter, but it's not butter. You it's won't great. believe it's not butter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dude who invented margarine. <laughs> He's definitely in hell. It's a fucking trans fat. I, I, no more questions. Let's keep going with the plot. <laughs> Um, so Thora Birch tries to trick the witches when they come back and act as if she is a witch who summoned them back to life. Which, again, it's Thora Birch, and it's it falls apart pretty quick, as it should, because they're not going to believe her. But again, she's for a kid, she's, like, really pulling every scene she's in. Yeah. This is also one of the other references where they say, well, why don't you stay for dinner? And she says, oh, but I'm not hungry. And they say, oh, we are. Huh. So again, Miguel Ferrer just wants money. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy tells this child to her face she's going to eat her. Fine. Playfully evil. Playfully evil. That's the thing. There's some fun to be had. They can't be all bad all the time. Otherwise, kids wouldn't like it. That's what I'm saying. Sarah Jessica Parker is also horny sometimes. But those are basically their two <laughs> go-to emotions. They are either bad or sometimes horny. So there's a little action sequence where the three kids need to escape now we get the cat showing up the thing is is um max out with them max out out uh outsmarts them by using his zippo lighter again to say it's the burning uh, burning rain of death burning rain of death he turns the sprinkler system on and the sanderson sisters apparently they know what martin is but they haven't heard of fire suppression systems again not not, not going to talk about it when you get to hell yeah they're a good invention that guy went to heaven <laughs> because like a fire suppression <laughs> system that that negates hell suddenly there is no hell all yeah. right Okay, that man saved lives. Guy yeah. who invented margarine, he went to hell. I was going to say, I like the introduction of Thackeray Banks is the first thing he does is punch Max in the face. <laughs> A theme that is revisited constantly with the cat. Yeah. That's what I would do. Um, <laughs> the, the Sanderson sisters are just so freaked out about they hide in the uh, under, under some sort of awning where they can't get the water on them. And Max grabs the, the, the book of spells that Satan himself gave to them. That has, we haven't talked about it, has an eye on it that moves. The book is alive. And uh, he grabs it and they run out. The only reason why I make it a big deal is, is literally he gets them with the same fucking thing at the very end of the movie. They play the same goddamn trick on him twice. And then they say he tricked us twice. Yeah. Um, which is funny. I yeah. kind of like that. And I like it because the Sanderson sisters, especially Bette Midler in these scenes, 
go to 12, like you were saying. 100%. They're being tricked and they're like, no, and they cackle. Oh my God, it's the reign of death. And so that brings me to my next point. Bobby. Yes, sir. I would like you to say it's called the podcast War Tennis (laughs) Shoes, doing your best Bette Midler as Winifred Sanderson impression. Hey, how many tries do I get? Is, it, is, this a, is this a one and done? Or can I try a few times? No, you, can, you can do it like two or three. You can edit it to be the best one. It could be a one and done, and then it's just the best one. Let's see how I do. <clears throat> it's called the podcast for tennis shoes. <laughs> Come, co-hosts. <laughs> That's pretty good. Do you want to do it again? Yeah, I feel like that was... I liked it. I thought I thought it was better. It was good at the beginning, yeah. and then I felt like you kind of lost a yeah. little bit. So. It, was, it, was too, it was too too high, almost. Mm. She's also got this kind of like kind of British thing going on a Sister? little bit. Yeah. She's acting mostly through her teeth. Yeah. So act through your teeth. She's acting through prosthetic teeth, and, like, that is hard to do. Just, like, doing an impression of her is. Okay. Sisters, it's called the podcast for tennis shoes. Perfect. We're gonna go. That's the one we're, that's the one we're using. Anyway, it's yep. like that uh, throughout the entire movie, and her screaming about the burning rain of death. Max tricks them while they're hiding from the sprinklers. They run out with the book, with the cat, with... Thora Birch. Robbie, what happens next? Uh, I have a panic attack because Thackeray Binks scared the shit out of me. Um, The cat CGI on his face, it was so disconcerting. It's like one of the first CGI things. So they used an actual live cat, but then they CGI'd its face. Like, I don't know what it was. It was, there was some sort of disconnect between my brain and that cat, and I could not get over it. Every time they did like a close-up of his face... It scared the shit out of me. Because it was too There's human. There's some fucking bad CG in this movie. There's some bad CG in the movie, but also, I heard this, whoever, did, I think the company was called Rhythm and Hughes. Yes. Uh, they they uh, they did the face CG for the cat, and uh, Disney watched it, and they're like, you have to redo this all, because it looked too cat-like. Hmm. It actually had fangs, and it, they just made it look like a cat. And then, as you said, looked too human. They, like, anthropomorphized it a bit. It, the technology wasn't quite there, and it just – every time they cut to it, I was just getting all weirded out. And it could have been the fact that, like I said, I was watching on our projector screen while camping, so it was like, I don't know, 155 inches wide, and we could see its face in a lot of detail, but it did not hold up when I was watching it now. Yeah, it sort of did remind me of that scene in uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers where that one body snatcher snatches a man – who's holding a dog and becomes a dog with a human face. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or those like, do you remember those like 15th century, like paintings of like a dog, but they have human faces as you were saying that, yeah, that whole yeah, thing yeah. creepy as can be. Yeah. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I agree. Bobby, what happens next? Robbie's told <laughs> us what horrifying <laughs> face nightmares he's been having, but Bobby, tell us what happens next. They escape. The sisters realize they've been tricked and it's water. And so they leave the house to see what is going on. They are baffled by the Black River that is standing outside their house. I love the bit that to see if it is actually water, Bette Midler just throws <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker on it as fast as she can. And they realize yeah. it's a road. Because, you know, people always say like, oh, you know, if like so-and-so could like see the world now, like they would be so insulted at the way things were. And people are like, they would be screaming trying to figure out what the fuck a car yeah. is. And oh, yeah. And then there's the fun little like, what are they? And Bette Midler says, sisters, can you not see? They are clearly witch hunters. Note the black robes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's fun. Like, again, it's such a fun yeah. line and she does such a good job with it. And Sarah Jessica Parker is like, ooh, boys. And she's yeah. hornyeth on Maynith. It's the uh, it's the yeah. firefighters that came to, to because Max tripped a fire alarm. 
and they just scream. I texted you guys, ha 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 ha, uh, by accident because I was writing notes on my phone, and that was just me typing the fact that I was laughing at them screaming at the firefighters when they showed up. They have a lot of that in this movie. They're kind of they scream at time. everything they see, which is funny. I like but it. But then they know what margarine is, so that's what I don't get it. I don't get it. We've already figured this out, Rob. Okay, we've moved on. We've solved it. We've solved the margarine situation. Fine. What happens next? They're on the road. Uh, they go to the grave. They go to the graveyard. Um, uh, Thackeray says that they cannot go into uh, hallowed ground. So they go to the graveyard uh, to regain their bearings, right? We've got um, Allison and Max and uh, Thor Birch. I don't know. Emily. No. Danny and Thackeray. They go to the graveyard uh, and they said that we'll be safe here because they can't touch that ground. And then Thackeray says something ominous like, well, they they can't touch it, but... Maybe something else can. And I think they say, I don't like the way you said that to us. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and then uh, they, the witches show up on their brooms and they raise Doug Jones from the ground. Doug Jones was Billy the Butcher. Th- this is where you get the line you were talking about. The Bette Midler rides over the graveyard and says, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. <laughs> the it's, it's, it's a callback. So they say the title of the movie twice. Yeah. And then they raise Doug Jones from the grave, who is, what was the name of the character up? Billy Butcherson. Billy Butcherson, who was uh, Bette Midler's lover. Yeah. That's how they describe him. But he had an affair with Sarah Jessica Parker. So she poisoned him and then sewed his mouth shut so that even in death, he could not talk about her secrets. Presumably, that's how she finds out about stuff in hell is people go down to hell and they blab about margarine. But Doug Jones couldn't say nothing (laughs) because his lips were sewn shut and so he's raised from the dead and she orders him to chase down these kids and so he chases them around the graveyard for a little bit until max hits him with a tree branch and knocks his head off decapitation in a children's movie this whole scene is delightful yeah it's pretty good yeah doug jones is so much fun he's great he's He's so much fun like so good in it his acting his physical acting is so good he's doing some sort of ballet with his body while he's moving around it's so good to watch and i love his grunts you like go he's got this tim allen thing going on as he's running around this graveyard because his mouth is so chubby (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to it bobby we'll get to it the kids escape into the sewer and the Sanderson sisters go out into the city. Yeah, they land on the outside of the cemetery. Uh, they get a calming circle. I, I did like their little, like, what we would call in modern society, a nice wellness moment. Yeah, wellness moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just take two steps back, uh, take a couple deep breaths. <laughs> and then a bus shows up. So they decide to take the bus. Um, because Sarah Jessica Parker has finally found someone as horny as she <laughs> is. Yeah. It's so the bus horny. driver. <laughs> we desire children. Hey, it may take me a couple of tries, but I think I can make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! Uh, And then the scene cuts to him having sex with Sarah Jessica Parker while she drives the bus. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Just a side note. You could tell the bus driver went to the parties. (laughs) The Lake Secret Sanderson sister parties. (laughs) Because he knows who's at the door when he opens the bus. Okay, so then what happens next, Robbie? So we got the Sanderson sisters on the bus... The kids are escaping through the sewer. The kids run to a cop that happens to just be a guy who's imitating an officer. Who would go to jail instantly. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Max runs up to him and goes, I lit the, I lit the candle. Uh, I'm a virgin. And uh, I lit the candle. And the Sanders sister are back. And, and the cop. Again, Max runs up to everyone in town that virgin. he can find to tell them that <laughs> he's a virgin. The, the, the like bro cop is like, you're a virgin? And he's like, yeah, fine. I'll get a tattoo to my forehead. 
And it's like, you fucking told him. <laughs> Which I think he would actually enjoy because he has a humiliation fetish. We can touch on some of the costumes here. If you look in the background throughout this movie, throughout this scene and in the costume party, there are nods to other Disney franchise movies here. Oh, like what? Just before, this is actually just before this scene, there is a kid dressed up as Mrs. Potts. You see walking around in the background of a shot. Like the Beauty and the Beast Mrs. Potts? She's wearing a giant teapot costume, but it, she's dressed as Mrs. Potts. Okay. That came out two years before. That was 91. So, okay. Uh, the one I caught that I didn't notice this last time, but I noticed again, there's a kid dressed as one of the playing card guards. From Alice in Wonderland. Oh, wow. Yeah. And really? I, I mean, I, that's what it looked like to me, where they have the card thing on one oh. side and they're like the nine of hearts or something. Wow. That'd be a good costume. <laughs> one of our buddies went as a thwomp. <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> For Halloween. <laughs> It got a giant TV box and just put a, a band-aid on the back of it. <laughs> it just went around the whole night and went, Ur-ur. It was great. <laughs> they, get off the, they get off the bus because, uh, is it Mary? Is that her, Sanderson? Mary, yeah. Yeah. She can smell children, but she can't see children. She thinks she's losing her powers. And they realize all the kids are dressed, as co- dressed in costumes. They don't really know what's going on. In which case... Satan comes out of the house, the girls realize it's the master, they leave their brooms outside, and they go running in to greet him. As Robbie said, we have Gary Marshall as Satan. I I rewatched this movie last Halloween when it came out, and I loved this scene then, and knowing it was coming, I loved it again a second time. This scene is so good. <laughs> so, Gary Marshall really wishes he was invited to that orgy, right? Yes. Because that's what... <laughs> That's what he thinks is going to happen, right? The 100%. That's why he invites three women into his house. And wants to introduce them to his wife. Yeah. Because he likes their vibe. He pegs it to the Sanderson sisters. He knows what used to go on at that cabin. He doesn't get the invitation anymore, though. No. Gary Marshall plays this older man dressed up as the devil for Halloween who invites the Sanderson sisters into his home. Penny Marshall, his in-life real wife... Uh, plays his in-movie wife. His sister. It's his sister, not Holy his wife. fuck. Really? Yeah. I honestly didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. I always yeah. assumed it was his wife. Nope. No, Penny Marshall's his sister. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> so, Penny Marshall, his in-real-life sister, plays his in-movie wife. Tell me about the rest of the scene. So, what happens at the end? Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker wants to dance with the master. There's the fun interaction with the wife who just is, like, smoking with her hair and curlers, drinking a glass of whiskey. Could not give two fucks what's going on. They say they're going to drink the light blood of children. They're going to drink the souls of children to be younger and more beautiful in the morning. She says, yeah, me too. And like goes, puts her cigarette back in her mouth and is like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Sarah Jessica Parker says she wants to dance with the master. Satan takes off his robes. He's wearing just red long johns. And is, as Sean had said, he's really hoping for this orgy. <laughs> he comes downstairs. The wife sees him dancing with Sarah Jessica Parker. And he's like, sweetie, she just wanted to dance with me. They call me master. I, I don't know. I, I just, I love his his performance in this. I, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny. It's hilarious that it's like uncredited. And it's just clearly like a favor or a fun thing to no, do. They probably saw it in the script and they were like, I know who we need for this. Brother and sister, Penny and Gary She comes downstairs and says she's going to kick them out of the house. There's a shot just before this going on where... Three children find their brooms. Little nod, I noticed that the children are dressed up as the Sanderson sisters. They have their exact costumes on and the same colors and everything. Pretty cool. They fly off on their brooms. But now we do get a convergence of the A plot and the B plot here because the kids are looking for help. And so they go to the party that their parents are at. Thankfully, not the sex party. It's not the orgy. It is a, a slightly less sexually promiscuous party, but only slightly. 
because their mother is dressed up like Madonna <laughs> and everybody is, is you know, they're dancing pretty close on that dance floor. My wife said to me as we were watching this, she said, when I was a kid, this looked like the coolest party I'd ever seen in my entire life. I wanted to go to a Halloween party that was as cool. And I've never been to a Halloween party where the, the band is dressed up as skeletons. To be fair, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was like, yeah, I'd go to that Halloween party. I would totally go to that party. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, normally when you say stuff like that, where you're like, when I was a kid, that looked so cool. But now I look at it and it's super lame. It's still not lame. And all the parents were giving their A game. But I got to ask, if half the town is at the sex party, the parents are at the sex party, and half the town are at that the town hall dance, who's handing out candy? Is it just the teenagers? Like, is it just left of the... It's just Gary Marshall, who wasn't invited to the Gary orgy. It's Gary Marshall, who wasn't invited. <laughs> He's trying to have Allison. an orgy of his own. <laughs> <laughs> At the town hall party, you will note the Mad Hatter is welcoming everybody into the party. So the kids go to their parents and they try to explain the situation, but the parents are like, no, stop ruining this awesome party. We get one night a year where we don't have to deal with your bullshit and you bring the bullshit here. And so then Max runs on stage and interrupts the show. He stops the music. He's like, stop everything. I have to explain to you. And at that time, the Sanderson sisters also arrive at the party. And Max announces to the party, he says, we accidentally brought the Sanderson sisters back to life. They are here to steal all the children. Horrible things are going to happen. And they're standing right there. And then he points at them. And everybody turns and looks at the Sanderson sisters. And the person running the spotlight at the Halloween party <laughs> faces it to them. Okay, but to be fair, Max just gave them the best introduction at a fucking Halloween party they could have hoped for. And then Bette Midler says, Yeah! Thank you for the introduction. It's just like he hyped them up so good. It was awesome. And she... Comes up on stage. He's like Bruce Campbell introducing Spider-Man. He's like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the Sanderson sisters. So I noticed that this band is doing such a shit rendition of Screaming Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on You. Um, that song is a childhood favorite of mine because my mom owned the album it was on. So I actually, I've heard it several times. Bette Midler pushes the vocalist out of the way and says, All right, I'll, I'll fucking show you how it's done. And then the Sanderson sisters do a cover of I Put a Spell on You. I made a note that... They have been alive for about three hours, and Bette Midler already knows all the words to the song. They have obviously had time to rehearse, because the other two sisters know the backing vocals. And the choreography. Three hours is way more time than Tom the Piper had to get that entire act in Babes and Toyland down packed. Like, <laughs> we know that, that they can work on a tight schedule. And then everyone is dancing and partying, having a great time. As it, uh, Thackeray tells them to cover their ears, and so the kids all cover their ears, the parents keep listening and dancing, and Bette Midler says, Dance, dance. Dance until you die. Because literally the song, I'm going to put a spell on you, she literally puts a spell on them. This is a pretty jamming scene, I thought. It's awesome. I uh, really dug the hell out of this. And watching it, I thought, whatever happened to these sequences? You know, like in the 90s, it kind of felt like every single movie involved the protagonists or the villains or somebody getting dragged on stage and having to make up a song on the spot and everyone else <laughs> being so impressed by it that the crowd just starts dancing. Can I can I say my favorite one? My favorite one that isn't in this movie, which ties into something you texted me earlier in the week. I didn't catch this till the last time I watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which granted was <laughs> over 10 years ago now. His friend's information booth is underneath 
a never-ending Cannibal Corpse concert, <laughs> and Cannibal Corpse are just always playing above stage. And then when people start coming for Jim Carrey later in the movie, the Cannibal Corpse are just taking a break. Chris Barnes isn't doing vocals, and Jim Carrey grabs the mic and starts doing death metal vocals, and the rest of Cannibal Corpse just join in possibly playing hammer smashed face and the crowd is so into it and moshing that jim carrey is able to crowd surf to the back of the venue and run away to safety see why don't we get that anymore why don't we get those sequences they had that one another jim carrey in the mask where he has to sing um he does like two different songs chick chick boom chick boom chick chick boom <laughs> <laughs> this scene is great um again check the background of this shot um Someone is dressed as the White Rabbit, um, and somebody is also dressed as a character from Tron. I want to see, like, Vin Diesel in, like, Fast and Furious 10 have to get up on stage and, like, make up a rock song that will, like, win over an audience. We don't get it anymore. It's a dead art. We need Vanilla Ice making up a Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go song. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go <laughs> rap. We could get uh, the next Jurassic World movie. Get the raptors up there dancing. Come on. <laughs> A, rap, a, a raptor rap? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They don't call them raptors for nothing. Well, I think that's as far as that joke's going. <laughs> it peaks. What happens next? They meet up with the Sanderson sisters in the alleyway behind the concert, correct? When do when do the Sanderson sisters um, kidnap Bulk and Skull? Oh, that's afterwards. Okay. So, yeah. So, now I'm remembering what happened. So, they narrowly escape from the Sanderson sisters. And then Allison gets an idea because she sees the stove in the alleyway. And then the movie clearly cut something out because what happens next makes no sense because the movie just cuts to their high school and the kids have like set up a trap in the high school and the Sanderson Mm -hmm. sisters just show up at the high school. There's no explanation for why the Sanderson sisters go there. They just arrive and the kids have already set up some kind of trap where they're luring into something. Something was clearly cut here. There's at least one or two scenes that explain what happens in between here because I don't understand. My guess is the fact that – remember later in the movie, they open the book and it is a beacon? Oh, they summon them that way? They open the book to – I think they might open the book. I mean, that makes the most amount of sense. That would make sense, but it's not in the movie. The Sanderson sisters just show up. Somehow they just know to go to the school. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be that. It's got to be that. It's like, what else would it be? At any rate, they set up a trap, and the trap is they have put a tape recorder with a recording (laughs) of French dialogue. So like a French class where they say sentences and then say them in French, and they have place it inside of a kiln kind of kiln i've never seen in my life because it is like it's a huge fucking kiln oh my god a a, a kiln that can fit three living people in it and locks from the outside yep it's it's like a meat freezer but a kiln yeah (laughs) with like active (laughs) gas pipes that immediately ignite open flame our high school had a kiln it was like a a chest size tiny and a few art pieces at a time could go inside it like Tiny art pieces. You could put a couple bowls in there. You know, you couldn't get a person in there, let alone three people, let alone three people with enough room for 40 more people. Have we ever heard of the Salem, Massachusetts football team? The the kilns? No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, they probably <laughs> the put their kilns? entire budget into the art program in Salem, okay? So they sprung for that industrial-sized kiln. They got nothing else going on in that town that they're just like, I don't know, make some fucking pottery or something. <laughs> I guess. All right. So they lock the door behind them, and then they turn on the kiln, and then burn them to death. 
and they stare at them. They watch them burn to death. The three kids, including Thora Birch, who must be on some sort of platform, is like watching three human beings burn alive. And then they go outside and celebrate. Yay! And Thora Birch does cartwheels because yep. she just saw a human being be torched three. and melt in front of her. Three, three human, human beings. beings. <laughs> and uh, they all high five. Basically, that's it. Yay, Yay, we won. We did it. And then Max gets the girl and takes her home. And then they all just kind of go to bed. Yeah. Well, it's like three in the morning at this point or whatever it is, right? Yeah. But they say it's weird that our parents aren't home because they're still dancing. Well, if they were at the orgy party, that would make sense. That's why Allison's not worried. (laughs) (laughs) That's why nobody notices that Allison's not home. (laughs) It's five in the morning. They're still going at it. No one's calling the cops to find out. (laughs) (laughs) The Sanderson sisters reform in the kiln. They kick open the door. I, this was my ding. I had yep. a good line. Yeah. There's a good line here. Bette Midler walks out and she says to herself, I want my book. Je veux mon livre. <laughs> so because good. they've been burning alive listening to this French translation cassette for like an hour now. And she is so angry while she says it. It got a good laugh out of me. I thought it was a good line. I loved it, too. I loved it, too. I made a note of that. It was so good. And this is where you get Balkan Skull. As they're leaving the school, they are still outside. They got nothing better to do. The Sanderson sisters walk by, and they call them... Chicks. Yeah, um, and I think they also say they're ugly. That's why they kidnap them and put them in cages, specifically stating they are going to plump them up because they eat children. I can say that as many times as need be. (laughs) For Robbie to get it through his head. Fine! Okay, they're evil. I don't like them. Allison and Max wake up after cuddling. Oh, we should say, uh, Thora Birch and Binks have developed some sort of very, very strange relationship. What do you mean? It's just like an owner-cat relationship. Yeah, but he's a fucking human being. He's been a cat for 300 years. He was a human for 14 years, maybe. Yeah. He's been a cat for 300. He, he, he's, he's a cat. Yes. He's still talking. He's a sentient living being. Hey, all cats are sentient living beings. Come on. And she tells him she will take care of him as long as she can, and her children will take care of him. It's a cat, and he saved her life, and she's like seven years old. You, you, Robbie, you yourself are still seven years old, so come on. (laughs) I get it, but I just was like... I, it felt a little patronizing at the same time that they're just like, just be like, you can still be a cat. What else is he going to do? They've got the fucking book. Let's try to make him not be a cat. Well, that's what they do, except they're not supposed to do that because okay. Max and Allison wake up and then they say, hey, this weird relationship Thora Birch has is pretty creepy. Let's, let, let, let's yeah. fix this. <laughs> let's fix this and see if we can turn uh, Binks back into a human. So they open up the magic book, but doing so sends out a beacon of light that alerts the Sanderson sisters as to their whereabouts. Light shines out. She suddenly sees where the book is. The kids have opened it. Right. So then they rush over to his lighthouse that he lives in. Which actually has a light coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lighthouse. They kidnap yeah. Thora Birch and take the book. Um, Max, in this film... He gets the shit kicked out of him. Good. So many times. Because he enjoys it. (laughs) (laughs) He gets hit with lightning bolts and, like, debris and, like, tortured by the witches constantly in this movie. They take Thora Birch and the book back to their hideout, and they immediately make another potion, and they're going to steal Thora Birch's life. While Allison, Binks, and Max get in the car, and they 
drive to the Sanderson house and they very quickly trick them once again doing the exact same thing. I'd be remiss to say, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker sings her song uh, and she actually enchants all of the kids in Salem to come to the town because right. um, they're going to basically suck the life out of all of the kids and live forever. Right, that's we what happens. We should say... The main plot of this is is they have to get a kid before the sunrise. <laughs> we haven't said this with the whole time. If they don't get a kid before sunrise, they're going to turn back to dust. The magic is only good for one night. Right. But yeah. if they get a kid, then they can stay alive forever. So, yeah. and Sarah Jessica Parker is summoning all of the kids of Salem to the Sanderson house. When I first saw this, I was like, did nobody notice that all these kids are just walking out of their houses? And then I realized, oh, wait, everyone in town is either dancing or having an orgy. So, <laughs> no, nobody noticed. All of the kids then get Pied Piper all the way to the Sanderson house. Or it's just Gary Marshall. He's the only one around. He's looking out the window. He's the only one around. Honey? <laughs> What's all these kids doing? <laughs> they drive to the Sanderson house and they trick them again. I couldn't remember because it had been a while since I'd seen it, but I was like, wait a minute. This, they just put a gel kit over the lights? Like, that's just... I, they like, do. do they have a gel kit? The kids had access to this? Or am I not supposed to be paying attention to the fact that it's just a gel kit? And then he rips off the stickers, and you're like, okay, yeah, they just had a gel kit in the car. <laughs> yeah, so they trick the the witches into thinking that the sun has risen because they shine headlights into the house, and the witches try to cower from the sun as if they're vampires. They save Thora Birch, and they knock over the cauldron, and they drive away. Now, the witches realize they were tricked once again, and they say he tricked us once again. They find that there's just enough potion left for one kid. Sarah Jessica Parker says, well, great, because I've summoned all of these kids. But Bette Midler says, no, I want to get Thora Birch. And the reason she wants to get yeah. Thora Birch is because Ugh. when she had Thora Birch tied up, Thora Birch told her she was ugly. And she's very sensitive about that. And she says, I'm going to eat Thora Birch because she said I was ugly and that makes me sad. And then she does have a good line. And I am pointed it out, not because it's particularly funny, but just because I think Bette Midler delivered the hell out of it. Because she's sad about being called ugly. Her sisters are comforting her. And she says, I've always wanted a child. And then she goes, on toast. <laughs> and the way that she says it, she screeches it out with such emphasis. It actually got a laugh out of me, despite the fact that it's a fucking dumb line. But like, props to you, Bette Midler. Just the way you screeched out, on toast, made me laugh. Yeah, she's a professional. Yeah, so then they grab what brooms they have with them, which are in the cleaning supply closet of the museum. And so it is a modern day broom. Sarah Jessica Parker has a mop and Kathy Jimmy has a vacuum cleaner. And then they fly those three to chase the kids back to the graveyard. Bobby, what happens at the graveyard? Uh, before we get to the graveyard, there is the car chase. Um, where they chase oh, yeah. beside the Ford Exploder he's driving. You get Rob's line of, can I see your driving permit? You get one shot of the shittiest CG in the movie of Bette Midler riding beside the car. They really quickly abandon and go back to a practical effect of her just like beside the car as they play the car driving in the background. They get to the graveyard. They get inside and Billy is, Billy's waiting for them at the graveyard, isn't he? Yeah, it, it felt like a callback at this point. Billy's been, like, in the sewers putting his fingers back on this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's been gone for the movie for, like, 40 fucking minutes. They come back to the graveyard, they haunt them, but they remember it's hallowed ground, so they can't actually touch down or land. Max has a knife, and Billy takes the knife from Max as the sisters are there, cuts the strings off his mouth, opens his mouth, and coughs out some moths. Now, I did read that Doug Jones said that was a practical effect. 
that they had he had a plastic pouch put inside his mouth with a little bit of hole with live moths inside and he so when he opened his mouth and spat out moths they had a wrangler and he spat live moths out of his mouth so that was practical and done on set wow wow that's a candy man bees in the mouth situation wow yeah fun fact that's like what is it tony todd negotiated into his contract he'd make money every time the bees stung him and he walked away with like a few thousand dollars it was like it was like 10 or 15 grand or something he made when dog jones opens his mouth then he looks to bet midler he calls her a trollop calls her a trollop and then walks away i've been waiting to do that for 300 years (laughs) and then thora birch and billy have another weird like friend relationship they're like best friends all of a sudden well that's because max brings him into the graveyard and says no he's a good zombie and they're like oh okay yeah and then they just immediately become best friends She's so trusting. She's so such a good person. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they toss her in Billy's old grave with a ring of salt around it so she'll be safe. So <sighs> there's kind of an action sequence. I don't really want to get into the back and forth of what happens. Nah, that's fine. Billy ends up, not Billy, Max. Max, Max. ends up drinking the remaining potion because it's the only way to prevent them from using it to harvest his sister. Yeah, in the back and forth, Thackeray gets severely injured. Max drinks the potion. And then Bette Midler goes, all right, fine. I guess I will harvest your life then because that's what we have to do. Grabs him, lifts him into the air. They struggle. He eventually pulls her off of her broom, right? And then she lands on the hallowed ground. And yeah. and this entire time – um nice little little bit was that they actually had uh, a use for the, the vacuum, uh, cleaner. vacuum cleaner yeah i was just like it's not just a joke it's actually a plot device too because um allison and thora birch and billy grab the cord from the vacuum cleaner and are trying to like prevent the two other sanderson sisters from getting to max to suck his life out that middler crawls towards max she grabs him she's going to suck the life out of him but then she realizes uh-oh i'm standing on hallowed ground she looks down and her legs start turning to stone and then her entire body turns into a stone statue and then max pulls himself off of the statue at which point are we not going to address the statue the fact that it is the shittiest bet midler statue that is some like christian ronaldo fucking statue <laughs> face there like that is some bullshit fucking work right there <laughs> that statue looks nothing like that midler <laughs> When they pull up for the wide shot, it's a different statue. Thank fuck, because it's terrible. Uh, thankfully, it explodes when the sun touches it. And uh, Sanderson sisters are dead. And then Billy climbs back into his grave and goes back to sleep. I loved his death. His that he just stretches and yawns and is just instantly dead again. <laughs> he's, so, he's so glad to be dead. They go to Thackeray and the cat has died and they're very sad about that but then they look up and they see the ghost of dubbed Thackeray (laughs) who waves at them and then using his dubbed voice says don't worry about me I'm gonna go with my sister Emily now and then the ghost of his sister Emily is there and they walk into the sunrise together because they are finally back together again and the movie cuts back to the cabin where the book opens its eyes and looks around. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe there'll be a sequel. Who knows? 30 years later. <laughs> Cut to the <laughs> intro of this episode. Spoiler alert. There's a sequel coming out next week. All right. Uh, gentlemen, give me your opinions. Monsieur Robbie. My opinion of this film, you have to you have to take it through rose-colored glasses because 
I've seen this movie a ton from childhood, as I said. Um, it's not quite Return to Oz levels of enthusiasm here. Um, there's there's very few films that are. Uh, but I know this film front to back. I really like it. You have taken issue with Max being a total fucking knob. He's a fucking knob. But again, rose-colored glasses. I've seen it so many times. I never really take an issue to it. I'm putting it actually very high. Uh, it's number five. Wow. Uh, for me. Wow. Um, I really dig this movie and I actually tend to watch it every Halloween. Wow. I've been like kind of toying with my list. I want to kind of give a quick little rundown because I've just been saying, oh, lower third here or there. Yeah. Give us your list. What's your list now? Uh, so number one, Return to Oz. Two is Darby O'Gill. And uh, three, I put it so high, I may change this, but it's actually Blackbeard's Ghost. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm, I'm reevaluating Holy it. Shit. I love that movie. <laughs> Fucking, uh, and, and the fact that he was in Great Muppet uh, Caper uh, actually put it higher uh, for me. I wow. like what he's doing. Okay. Um, then the Great Muppet Caper's four, Hocus Pocus is five. Flight of the Navigator, six. Freaky Friday, seven. The Black Hole, eight. I'm going to get some flack for this, but uh, again, rose color glasses. Blank check at nine. I understand the problematic issues with it. Ten is Babes in Toyland. Eleven is Bedknobs. Twelve is Even Stevens. And thirteen is The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. Wow, Bedknobs is low for you, man. It's got nothing. I don't give a shit. It's got nothing that I want to watch. All right, Bob, what's your ranking? I think i would probably put this actually i'm gonna go the same as rob this will be number five wow i think um this is my third time watching it and i don't i like i said when i was a little kid i really enjoyed it as a little kid watching it last year was kind of a like okay yeah yeah like my partner and i watched it and she she'd never seen it before last year watching it this time like under a critical eye i was like oh you know what like this isn't like one of those shitty movies you love as a kid or one of those weird movies you love as a kid that like you have to explain to people or like has these weird elements i was like no this is a good movie that is fun and enjoyable there's some great performances in it as you say there is some dog shit dialogue that is up on a gold pedestal based on the actors that do it so when people say they love this movie it's like i get it and you know i would say it's not for everybody but you it's enjoyable (laughs) okay well i would say for myself i had not seen it until this weekend i had barely even heard about it until a couple years ago it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere to me um i totally missed whenever you were having this annual watchathon robbie it kind of came up i heard about it on twitter people started talking about it it was it got a re-release during the pandemic and it was like number two movie of the weekend in theaters like two years ago uh it always has big downloads on disney plus around october and so it kind of was getting this reevaluation, and part of that was people saying, I love Hocus Pocus. I've loved it since I was a kid. It's such a great movie. And then there was a few other people who would say, I've never seen this movie. I just checked it out, and it was terrible. What is wrong with all of you? <laughs> and so that's what I had going into this. And my opinion is uh, I kind of think they're both wrong in the sense that – I don't think this is a great movie. I think it maybe had the potential to be a great movie. Um, if this was just the Sanderson sisters, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy, and, you know, they were going up against Thora Birch and her cat, 
I think there could have been a you know a really delightful movie in here, but too much of it really felt kind of played out and fitting into this really unpleasant mold of your boring, awful white male kid who gets the girl at the end. That being said, I still found it charming for the most part. Um, I'm going to put it just below Blackbeard's Ghost. So for me, that's number seven. Darby O'Gill is number one. Flight of the Navigator is two. Then Return to Oz. Then uh, Great Muppet Caper. Freaky Friday, Blackbeard's Ghost. And then this at number seven, Hocus Pocus. You put Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. I meant Freaky Friday 2003. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Freaky Friday 1976 is lower. It's much lower. I did not like that. Yeah, you hated that movie. And Freaky Friday 2018 is my second last one. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where I'll put it. It's a mid range, it's around Blackbeard's Ghost. I'm going to put Blackbeard's Ghost just above this, though. All right, boys, as I talk about usually on this podcast, I want to mention to you the other movies that came out in 1993 that were released by the Walt Disney Company. And you better sit back, crack open one of those No Boats on Sundays, Rob, because there's 21 of them. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, here is what the Walt Disney Company released in 1993. A movie called Aspen Extreme, about extreme snowboarders. Nope. Nope. Doesn't exist. Uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Okay. Ah, uh, Tear Fest. Yep. A movie called Blood In, Blood Out. Another Hollywood Pictures release. Nope. Doesn't exist. Swing Kids, the Christian Bale swing dance crime uh, drama. Hollywood Pictures. Nope. A Far Off Place, starring Reese Witherspoon. The Adventures of Huck Finn, the Elijah Wood Huck yep. Finn movie. Disney released, like, two Huck Finn movies, like, back-to-back. They released a movie called... The Adventures of You're not talking about Tom and Huck. No. Tom and Huck is a different Disney Huck Finn movie that came out like one year later. Oh really? I don't And who's in that one? That's uh JTT, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. Elijah Wood is in this one. Though. So they released an Elijah Wood <laughs> Huck Finn movie. And they're just like, uh, nobody remembered that one. Let's get let's get a kid from Home Improvement on we one. We have to we have to do those just so that I can do some research to find out how the fuck that happened. Back to back. How the fuck did that <laughs> yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's like when they released two different movies like Volcano and uh, Dante's Peak, but they released by the same studio. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, there'll be like two Jungle Book movies coming out at the same time. One of them is the Warner Brothers one directed by Andy Serkis, the other one's the Disney one directed by John Favreau. This is just like Disney had two Huck Finn movies and they're just like we're releasing both of them they released a movie called born yesterday they released a movie called guilty as sin they released a movie called life with mikey uh they released a Polly shore movie called son-in-law son-in-law okay the past three do not exist but son-in-law exists now we get to hocus pocus after hocus pocus we get another stakeout the sequel to stakeout then we get My Boyfriend's Back, a touchstone release. Oh, is that the one with the, the zombie boyfriend that comes back from the dead? Yeah, I've seen then that. Then Money for Nothing, that's the John Cusack Hollywood Pictures release. Then Fatherhood, there's a gap between father and hood, so you can imagine what the plot of that movie is. It's not Steve Martin. Oh, is that um uh, Patrick Swayze, right? Uh, Joy Luck Club, Hollywood Pictures release. Then going into Christmas, we had their actual... You know, big scale Disney releases. Cool Runnings, the John mm. Candy film. Ooh, gotta love Cool Runnings. Give me rhythm, give me ride. <laughs> it's bobsled time. Cool Runnings. <laughs> we gotta do Cool Runnings. I love that movie. Uh, 
Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. Nice. The Three Musketeers. Wait. Fucking hell. Keep going. Yeah. This is a Sister year. Act 2, Back in the Habit. And then Jesus. Tombstone. Because that's touch. That's nice. Not, they were touchstone, yeah. right? Nightmare Before Christmas and Hocus Pocus in the same year. And I, th- I think I read too. They were strategic about it. Where Hocus Pocus was the like. It came out in September, apparently. It was a pre-Halloween movie because they didn't want it to conflict with Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. So they had Cool Runnings, Hocus Pocus, Nightmare Before Christmas, Tombstone, The Three Musketeers, Three Musketeers, The Jerry, no Chris O'Donnell, The Chris O'Donnell one. Which I don't think was very successful, actually, but, you know. I still saw the shit of that movie. I saw the shit I of that I haven't seen it. I've never seen no? it. No? We should oh do that Oh my one. god, it's so bad. You've got... <laughs> Isn't Oliver Platt in it? Isn't Oliver it's Platt so... one of the it's... musketeers? It's Oliver Platt. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Wow. Uh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, yeah. And Chris O'Donnell. As French revolutionists. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I love Oliver Platt. I love Oliver Platt so much. I will see Oliver Platt in anything. I really should watch this movie. I've never oh, seen it. I've seen yes. part of it because you have Tim Curry as Cardinal Richelieu. Yes. Tim Curry's in it too? Tim yeah. Curry's the We have to guy. do this movie. We have to oh, do I love this movie. movie. But we're not going to yeah. watch it next week because yeah. next week we are watching Million Dollar Duck. It's happening, people. It's finally that, happening. Baby. Million dollar duck. Tune in next week. Don't miss it. Bobby, do you have anything else to say? See you next time. <laughs> and that's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at the podcast wore tennis shoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P O D. W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks.